0: You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom slash agony. Flannery O'Connor is an icon of American literature, Her novels include Wise Blood and The Violent Bear It Away. William Sessions is the Regents Professor of English Emeritus at the Georgia State University. He is a personal friend of Flannery O'Connor's and a scholar of her work. He has recently discovered Flannery O'Connor's A Prayer Journal. Thank you for joining me, Bill.
1: Good. Well, I appreciate being here.
0: This is such an amazing uh, piece of literary history. Tell us a little bit about your relationship with Flannery and how that led you to discover this astonishing piece of work.
1: I was a friend of Flannery O'Connor's. I became a friend when I was 25 years old, which was many years ago in the 1950s. And we stayed friends until she died in 1964. I did not want to write on her. I have a sort of premise that I don't write on friends. So I did not. And uh, I had done my doctorate at Columbia in Renaissance literature, and so I wrote on the, the period of Shakespeare and Milton, all of this. So anyway, a long story short, I uh, had finished a book for Oxford in night uh, in two thousand. About that time, Sally Fitzgerald died, and she's the one who had been the and had been the chosen biographer, and uh, I was a friend of hers as well. The estate asked me to take it on, and I took a little while to do it because I didn't want to get involved in something outside my field so much. But after I read some of the early material and discovered this prayer journal, I said, this has to get out. And so that's what I started to do and stayed with and finished now the second draft of my biography. I had a huge uh, biography of over 1,200 pages. I've reduced it now to about what will print out about four, three or four hundred pages. So I think I'm in good shape, but the main thing is to get Flannery's work and her story out, because there are other biographies, and they're not bad at all, but I think what I have to say is something that could not be known. And uh, For example, I visited her many, many times in Milledgeville, and then I uh, was in Europe when she was. We were in, at Lourdes together and uh, And then she uh, I have pictures of all this, and then it, I saw her many times before she died in sixty four in fact saw her in the hospital about three weeks before she went into her coma. I had a contact with her all those years, and uh, uh, her work is really remarkable and this prayer journal written in twenty one is i think quite remarkable, and uh, it it varies from being what twenty one year old young woman might want to talk about or feel it, at two very pretty profound aphorisms almost or oracles <laughs> and uh, and I think those are very valuable for everybody and the The proof is the range of its of the people and the journals that have published and dealt with it, none of whom may even be vaguely interested in prayer and certainly not in any uh... denomination or anything like that but who are interested in the development of a self contact itself at its deepest level and uh... and turning into a writing because flannery, when she finished this journal which was writing this journal flannery began her first novel wise blood and the fiction then became so to speak her later journals and uh, i have some documentation for that and uh, Uh, in my book. So I'm very happy that people are finding uh, the work itself, and I think that's due to to her, her perception, and her syntax, her her technique, her style, and so forth. Uh, And I think uh, that is very hard to win people over to say something like this kind of intimate journal, but I think it's worked so far. I'm utterly surprised at its popularity.
0: It, one of the things that struck me about this as I read it, it's really remarkably, you can already see what a fabulous writer she was, but it's a, such an interesting piece of writing in that we see somebody who is a intelligent skeptic questioning her own faith down to the very most primary philosophical level. And in in this respect, it, it reminded me of the writings of Thomas Aquinas. It, it, it's a really remarkable piece of writing that I think has appealed to people who don't ha- have a, a Catholic faith, but just because of its uh, deep philosophical uh, sense of inquiry.
1: Well, I, that's exactly what I felt when I found it. And I said, uh, that this has to come out because of that, and I must say, one of the really remarkable pieces that's written about it is by a, a writer that I admire very much, uh, Vizolteir, who is for the rights of the New uh, New Republic, and his uh, his comments on this were just really amazing. And I felt that I had succeeded if Vizolteir found this uh, whole work meaningful, and uh, and that really was for me. Uh, an achievement, and uh, and I and it has, uh, you know, uh, by now at least I saw. I've been told it has had a tremendous uh, book sale, and I really uh, am happy and a bit surprised. But uh, the depth that I saw there from the beginning was what has come across, thanks to Farisharsharu and the whole people who have worked with this. And that's the big thing: is that it came across. And I really feel that very strongly. And I think the reading of it is going to continue. Um, They're they're marvelous pieces. Uh, One I have constantly pointed out to people, if I may.
0: Sure. uh, Why don't you read from it, please?
1: uh, uh, It's um, one that was written. uh, She wrote this in 1946-47. She was 21-22. And just before she was 22 well in January, birth was in March, she wrote this marvelous almost oracular statement that <laughs> some of the uh, you know the Egyptian desert fathers would have written or maybe uh, you know, Virgil Sibyl or something but it was this young woman of 21 write, no one can be an atheist who does not know all things, only God is an atheist, the devil is the greatest believer and he has his reasons <laughs> and, She managed to get this little joke in there, you know, at the same time. And I can't possibly explain all that's in there, because I don't know myself. But I think it's just her sense of where she personally was with all of this and and dealt with it. And there are plenty of others. There's another passage. She's a a very young woman out in Iowa, a long way away from Savannah in the South. And she writes on this January day, the majesty of my thoughts this evening. Do all these things read alike because they seem to? They all send a faint nausea through me, albeit they were sincere at the time, and I recant none of my articles of fate. This more, this evening I picture, my, picture theoretically myself at 70, saying it's done, it's finished. It's what it is, and being no nearer than I am. The moral turpitude at 70 won't be tolerable. I want a revolution now, a mild revolution, something that will put an even little... 20th century asceticism into me at least when I passed the grocery. <laughs> That's just another kind of irony that goes with this, that uh, we live in a world in which you pass groceries, and uh, whatever your majesty of thoughts are and so forth. The whole book is moving back and forth like that. And, uh, of course, it's, set, uh, it, it's written in Iowa, so our world there is definitely part of it.
0: One of the things I found really interesting <clears throat> is a statement she makes early on Where she says, "Please help me to get down under things and find where you are," and I think that is such a great gives us such a great insight into her. I think entire body of work because you're
1: you're absolutely right, and I make that as a point that that is the one of the key statements of her work. Please help me to get down under things and find where you are. In other words, it's. It's not the angelic, it's not the, uh, uh, the totally positive, but the uh, the the hidden, the dirty, the corrupt, whatever. But she asks to get down under things because God is there too. This that's a major thought, and I think that uh, that defines her whole definition of of who and what God is, and uh, and that's. It seems to me that, and you're absolutely right, that's a very good insight on your part, because that gets right to the point. I mean, all of our work, if you read Good Man is Hard to Find, if you read uh, Parker's Back, any of the stories of any kind, as well as the, the novels, they all are trying to find out that place in life where the deepest meaning exists, whether you call it God or not or whatever you call it, but we want that deepest meaning, most intimate meaning. And that's pretty daring for anybody to do in this day and age, but it is that encounter that Kierkegaard and all the others have written about, the the I-thou encounter, or Martin Buber, the Jewish theologian, that's the big one, is the I-thou, and that's what she's saying. Help me to get down under things and find where you are.
0: You know, uh, it also, you were talking about uh, Kierkegaard, and I also think, too, that one of the things that she confronts in this book is the, by definition, unknowability of an omnipotent God who has created us all. We are human, we're finite, we simply cannot comprehend the finite. And she says this, I, I cannot comprehend the exaltation that must be due you. And I think this is another key statement. And one of the things that we get in this, in this prayer journal is a kind of a query back and forth as she tries to go back and forth and figure out where she fits, where we fit, where God fits in this equation of the infinite and the finite.
1: Oh, I think that's right, and that's what the the book is about. Uh, She's 21 years old, and a a great many young people have uh, written pretty profound things uh, in precisely searching for this relationship. And finally, they might just give up and go off in a corner somewhere. But she wrote this down And she not only wrote it down, but she copied it. And I know she sent the manuscript in a special way from uh, Iowa City, where she was, to Milledgeville to be kept by her mother. That's why I I felt that uh, O'Connor really wanted this work in some way to come to light and be out, you know, to be read. But uh, she's exploring, in other words, what might have happened to any young person Finding out identity, it's the most natural thing, and everybody goes through it. But hers just took another level, and I think, and and another language, I think that's the key thing, too. And uh, so that's, uh, this is what makes it, I think, very special and very, in a sense, human and normal.
0: But, you know, you, you talk about this being human and normal, and I would agree, but her language is so pristine and so beautifully perfect throughout this. This really does have the feel of a very carefully considered work of philosophy, of trying to figure out, again, where we come into the equation. Uh, and I think that, that the language in here is is so... Uh, austere, I guess is the word I'm looking for, that it, it's interesting uh, that how this, in a sense, uh, go, and we go back to that or other quotation, it, how this underpins her work.
1: Oh, I think so. I mean, I, that was the point, I mean, that I found. Uh, early on, Flannery's style began to evolve, and I, I, I've now completed my revisions of um, the biography that I'm writing of her. I can tell you that early on, the influence of her father in her style was tremendous, but it was also hers. She had, in a sense, the ear, the gift. Everybody who's a great mathematician or musician is great at 14 or 10, they say. I think about that age, she had the ear. Great influence of her father, as I hope I'll show. And, uh, but also, uh, she kept it and uh, and I think that's what this impressed me, was that, uh, and you know, this had been hidden, not discovered, it hadn't been hidden. I don't think anybody in the family tried to hide it, except they just didn't bring it out. And I don't know why Sally Fitzgerald didn't find it, who was a wonderful uh, commentator and developed of uh, Frank Flannery's work. I, I couldn't believe, when I found it, that it was 1946 and 47 she would written it, and it had been there. In the uh, archives since 1948, so you know it. And and the thing is, it, it endured. I mean, the style—it's it's still enduring. People are reading it right now, and and uh, and are in touch. And so I know that that it's it's made a difference. And uh, uh, and that for me is very important. And I it and I think the style is exactly the language, the syntax. That's what makes it different. Not everybody could write this, of course.
0: No, no, It, it seems that this, this could have been written yesterday and seem exactly the same, with the same words, the same, it feels entirely contemporary because it's so amazingly and pristinely human.
1: Yeah. Plannery was great on that. Some, uh, you know, she had lots of people to come in and, and ask her questions, reporters, for example. And uh, someone asked her, who are your favorite writers? And she said, James and Conrad. And the reporter wrote, James Conrad is Miss O'Connor's favorite writer. Well, she had the same thing with someone who said, Miss O'Connor, do you think your work is going to last, it will last through 2050? You think you think it will last through that period? And she said, oh, I don't know. She said it could be 2050. Thirty, fifty, or fifty-fifty. So, so I, I think it'll
0: last. Uh, I found it interesting uh, that that she had been reading, uh, as she called him, Mr. Kafka, <laughs> about his problem with uh, getting grace. Yes,
1: and and uh, yeah, I thought that was interesting too. And she she clearly had him uh, identified almost like a character, you know, in a in a novel or, or something like that. But it, but it's um, but she was reading. Uh, Iowa opened up everything for her in many ways. Uh, not, not that she didn't have a good education. She had a, quite a good education, as good as anywhere in the United States at that time in the 1940s. That is, you know, I mean, standard. Uh, but she, at Iowa, she was allowed to, to and brought to uh, not only the best American text for the first time, But she also was brought up, brought to the uh, uh, Catholic texts, religious texts like Bernanos and uh, the Maritans, and um, also um, Kafka as well. She's very good on Kafka. She had great. She really liked Kafka, and uh, has a wonderful essay on him.
0: Uh, I would like to just take this to you for a moment. Going through her work and finding this journal, uh, tell us about that moment when you opened this journal up and began reading.
1: Well, it was a, a very happy surprise. I mean, I, I, it, I, I would. There's a wonderful novel by Henry James about his a character going to Venice and discovering, and you know, a Venetian atmosphere, all the material. I, I found this, uh, someone brought it to me in a metal box at the Holiday Inn Express in Highway 441 <laughs> in Millageville, <laughs> on the third floor. And I opened this up, and among other papers, and began to read, and I saw right away that this was uh, beyond anything average, and it was at a turning point. I, I held on to it in terms of, I mean, I just didn't make a big show of it to anybody or discuss it until I felt that the time was right. There, there was a conference in Chicago at Loyola, and I read it there. It was for philosophy and theology. The audience, to my surprise, was quite taken by it. So from there, uh, the estate and Ferris J. decided to publish it, and that's It's fine with me, but it it is a work that I mean I'm quite sure now what I'm seeing everywhere is it will endure. I don't think there's any question that it was one of those discoveries that it was there and the estate had done a wonderful job of getting everything organized and 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 has and has continued to. When I discovered it, that's when I saw what was in it. This was something that had to be found, had to be put back in. It was like. A new work uh, for me by Melville or uh, Faulkner or I don't know what else you want to name. Only 50 years later. That is, that's, uh it was um, in the, it, about 10 years ago I found it maybe less, and um, it was something that was utterly new. But uh, but I the the lasting flavor of it is lasting flavor is not the word the lasting. Uh, uh, life of it uh is that it will remain in a language that will continue and uh my guess is this language is going to be translated very well into to French the the, the French have a great um uh, uh, affection for Flannery O'Connor and certainly into Spanish where it's a big has uh, a big following and in Italian but uh those uh the language itself I think Will remain, but in English, it's pretty much right on target, and uh, uh, and she's focusing on it. And this was also due. I want to praise Iowa because it was the Iowa uh, world that was wakening her up and getting everything in order. But um, she was leading a student's life. I might add, she she had no special room of her own, <laughs> and. Uh, uh, and what I like about the book is that they, the the Ferris did was to put her in, out in the snow, you know, with a t-shirt on. I mean, with a sweatshirt on and a big coat on and everything. In other words, it was not a cloister by any means. And it's, I like the work of Saint Teresa of Lisieux, for example, but this is not Saint Teresa of Lisieux. She's out in a rough and tumble world, dealing with people every day, and uh, and working as a writer and wanting to be a writer. And that's um, uh, one of the reviews. I think it was Marilyn Robinson, said the book is as, as much about creativity as it is about religion. I don't uh, that she said it. I'm sure more, more, much better. But I just it's that balance, and it's true. She wants to be a good writer, and I think it tells how she's going to be a good writer. And and in fact, she's writing well just at the same time.
0: <laughs> I would agree that I think that this is a. Uh... Fantastic book for anybody who wants to write, or even to create in any medium, to to get this kind of vi- pure vision of how you connect with that part of yourself that is um, what you would call God or godlike, and, and to to reach down into there and to create. I guess what she's trying to do here is to create a conduit from that to the. Tips of our fingers that will hold that pencil or pen, and that will write the stories. And that's what I think a lot is what is this book is about: is to how to figure out, connect that A to B in the in the purest and, and most powerful possible fashion.
1: I think you're right on target. I mean, uh, um, that's why you were you picked the right phrase in the very first entry a right sentence, please help me to get down under things and find where you are. And that's, uh, I mean, I think that's everybody's job. Not, I mean, it, if you don't find God underneath that, you find beauty, you find, uh, uh, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, you, you certainly can find God. I'm not saying that. But if you're, if you're not a believer or you don't care about it or you find it uh, oppressive or boring, uh, you will find if you look at a pine tree long enough, and I'm looking at one right now here in in Georgia where it's warm, <laughs> uh the uh, uh the sky, the light, the green, the reflection. I mean, come on, this is a real world. And uh, and I think that's what she's saying. Let me now get into that deeper and the whole book is about that too.
0: I've been speaking with Bill Sessions He's the editor and the curator for the new book by Flannery O'Connor, A Prayer Journal. Thank you for joining me, Bill.
1: Well, I'm very pleased, and thank you. I appreciate it.